presented by Kroger and Albertsons Companies. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghun Munavalan. It's Monday. If you're hoping to leave D.C. early for the winter break, you might want to change your plans. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. President Joe Biden and lawmakers returned to Washington this week, facing a lengthy lame duck to-do list with only three weeks scheduled to resolve it. That's a recipe for a very unmerry holiday season, should negotiations falter in the final throes of this term of Congress. First up on the docket, government funding. That expires December 16th, and the verdict is still out on whether a bipartisan full-year appropriations deal is within reach, or whether Congress will just kick the can down the road and pass another continuing resolution into next year. All eyes this week will be on Senate Republicans, and especially GOP leader Mitch McConnell, who will have to decide whether to help put up the 10 needed GOP votes to clear a 2023 omnibus. It'll be a close call. On one hand, Republicans will control the House next year, boosting the party's bargaining hand. On the other, GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, or whoever wins the Speaker's gavel, will be dealing with a slim, unruly majority, one that might well rally around a government shutdown to signal there's a new sheriff in town. Here's the thing, though. McConnell has never been fond of shutdowns, and he might decide to clear the decks and spare Republicans one political headache, even though he's likely to punt another, the debt limit, to next year. He also has a crop of allies who are retiring and eager to put their imprint on government policies one last time, including GOP appropriations leader Richard Shelby. Plus, there's Ukraine funding, which many Senate Republicans want to lock in as House conservatives vow to turn off funding to Kyiv. But the clock is ticking. As Politico's Caitlin Emma wrote last week, even if both sides want a deal, they don't have much time to come up with one. Already, Hill aides are fretting that another short-term extension will be needed, pushing the real final deadline closer to Christmas or beyond. The outside pressure for a deal is beginning to mount. Politico defense reporter Laura Seligman scoops a letter in today's playbook that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is sending Hill leaders today, imploring them to pass a full-year funding bill. Austin writes, failure to do so will result in significant harm to our people and our programs and would cause harm to our national security and our competitiveness. Adding, we can't outcompete China with our hands tied behind our back three, four, five, or six months of every fiscal year. Speaking of the Department of Defense, also awaiting action is the annual National Defense Authorization Act, another must-pass item whose status is making defense hawks nervous. To be fair, lawmakers usually find a way to get it done. At least they have for 61 years in a row. But the politics of this particular lame duck are tricky. McCarthy said back in November that lawmakers should delay the NDAA until next year, when they control the House and have more leverage to address what they say is a woke Pentagon culture that's weakening the military. As Politico's Connor O'Brien covered earlier this month, House Republicans are targeting policies ranging from vaccine mandates to efforts to diversify the ranks. While Democrats have the House majority for a few more weeks, they likely can't pass the NDAA on their own. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has a crop of progressives who historically never vote for the yearly Pentagon reauthorization because they disagree with funding levels. Thus, she'll probably need some GOP help. That brings us to McCarthy's quest for the Speaker's gavel. The GOP leader, you'll recall, is staring down a January 3rd vote on the Speakership, where he'll need the support of all but three or four members of his conference. So to protect his right flank, expect him to continue playing hardball 
on NDAA. In other lame duck legislative potpourri, the Senate is expected to pass the Respect for Marriage Act this week after 12 GOP senators helped Democrats advance the bill, ensuring that same-sex and interracial marriages remain protected nationwide. Time is now suddenly of the essence for the bipartisan Electoral Count Act overhaul, with Donald Trump announcing another presidential run and House Republican leaders showing zero interest in passing this carefully negotiated package aimed at avoiding another January 6th. With Senate floor time already scarce, there's a growing expectation the text may need to be attached to appropriations or the NDAA. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will host this year's American Nobel Prize winners for a congratulatory visit. Press Secretary Green Jean-Pierre will brief at 2.30 p.m. with John Kirby. Vice President Kamala Harris and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff will leave L.A. at 1.40 p.m. Eastern to head back to Washington. The Senate will meet at 3 p.m. for a cloture vote on the substitute amendment to the Respect for Marriage Act. The House is out today. A couple other things to circle on your calendar. On Tuesday, the president heads to Bay City, Michigan to tout economic progress. On Wednesday, Biden and Harris will speak at the first in-person White House Tribal Nations Summit. They and their families will also attend the National Christmas Tree Lighting, with Biden and Interior Secretary Deb Haaland speaking. On Thursday, the White House welcomes French President Emmanuel Macron for a bilateral meeting during press conference and state dinner. And over the weekend, Biden heads to Camp David. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghuman Avalon. Have a good week. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Kroger's merger with Albertsons Companies will provide compelling benefits to associates, customers, and communities by establishing a more competitive alternative to large non-union retailers and expanding access to fresh, affordable food. With Albertsons Companies, Kroger will build on its track record of supporting associates by investing $1 billion to continue raising associate wages and comprehensive benefits. The companies also plan to invest $500 million to lower prices and $1.3 billion to improve the customer experience, helping customers save on products they love.